Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Advertech Printing, and IP Labs. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by Jeremy Wills, who is the Principal Analyst of Imaging for Future Source in the UK. Hi, Jeremy. How are you today? Hey, Gary, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. It's uh, Friday evening here, so I'm in quite quite good spirits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully I won't keep you from the pub too much longer, but we're here to talk about European photo data, and FutureSource is probably the leading source for uh, reliable industry data related to the photo printing, photo merchandise market. Can you talk a little bit about how FutureSource gathers this data before we dive in? Yeah, sure. Um, just as a bit of background, I think maybe about 20 years ago, because we primarily are working with, um, you know, the hardware side of the imaging business. And some of the camera companies said to us, look, you guys are, you know, capturing all this camera data. Could you do something on the, the photo printing side of things? That's how it all began with back back in the day with photo prints. Um, obviously, a very different kind of market to the one we see now. But mm-hmm. um, and then we've got into the books photo books and merchandise as it comes along. And our methodology, I think generally as a research firm, is very much based on on sort of top up, bottom down. We we get um, either via primary research interviews and, and data fees information from brands. In the photo sort of world then, we talk about print service providers, um, apps, retailers, e-tailers, cross-referencing with equipment and paper companies and sometimes a distribution channel as well, just to get an analytic and realistic view of the market, the channels, the competitive landscape and, and, and the outlook as well. And that, that's how we do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much based on our own primary research. It's nice to have some secondary sources of data. You know, some of the big players in the photo sector published quarterly and annual reports, but we were very reliant upon information which isn't in the public domain. And of course, our, our own knowledge of the markets built up over twenty odd years, plus our reasonably robust sort of analytic and forecasting skills as a as a as an analyst firm, which goes mm-hmm. obviously way be, way beyond imaging into the sort of wider sphere of technology. Yeah, because because future source consulting does does more than than photo imaging. There's other categories like consumer electronics and other things that you're involved in. So you've got a long history and a long uh, expertise in marketing research. Can you talk first about what, and when we talk Europe, what countries are we talking about? Well, nowadays, we think the countries we track in Europe are the, are the six largest Western European markets. So uh, France, Germany, Benelux, Italy, Spain, UK. Sorry, not quite alphabetical, but um, and the, <laughs> the reason we we centered around those is well, there's two reasons. One, one, it is quite a mature market; it's still growing. We'll come on to that, but it's a mature market and it's mm-hmm. maturing both in terms of the, the direction it's heading in, the players in the market, but also because those those six countries are give or take around eighty percent of overall Western European volume and value you know commercially in this day and age it, it's really having that overall i guess key view which is most important to some of the you know the companies we're working with so 
It doesn't mm-hmm. say we we don't occasionally pick up reviews for, for for other European markets, but but they're the core ones that we focus on now for that that reason. Well, and then that makes sense. I mean, if you cover eighty percent of Western Europe, mm-hmm. you're you know that's the bulk of the market, and mm-hmm. the remaining twenty percent, I'm sure a lot of the insights still apply. Mm-hmm. So for the photo market uh, market value piece, when I look at some of your information, it looks like future source centers the market really uh the output market in three areas photo books photo merchandise and photo prints before we dive kind of deep into those can you go over what is in those categories so we kind of understand what you mean by merchandise versus a print for example because sometimes there's some crossover in sure sure category i think that the first thing to say is that we what we're tracking is what we call the consumer ordered market so um product that a consumer is ordering doesn't have to necessarily be an image they've captured themselves the image they have on on some kind of device obviously a lot of people are ordering from smartphones nowadays or, or pcs either in store or online so consumer ordered there's a bit of a gray area because people sometimes will use a consumer firm like for instance shutterfly in the us to order a wedding album but generally it's you know family holidays things like that right. and and then the categories photo prints so any kind of commercial proto print, whether it's printed at retail in a photo lab or a PSP, anything up to um, about eight by eight inches. I, I was thinking in centimeters, but converting into into inches for for the US market. And beyond that, we consider it to be a poster. So, so that that's for us is photo prints. We include home printing, which mm-hmm. can be on on a on a home print. It could be on something like an HP sprocket. I know there's other devices as well, a print device. We don't include the the likes of the instant cameras. Um, that's not part of the market we cover. That's almost a separate category which you never got mm-hmm. into. But and irrespective, I guess, of the technology, whether it's silver halide, inkjet, die sub, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So, and we standardise our market sizing around six by four inch uh, prints, just so that we've got a consistent way of of okay. counting the market, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Photo books, any any commercially produced photo book, printed at retail, printed by a back-end photo lab, ordered online, ordered in store, though that's becoming less less common. Lay flat, silver halide, whatever it may be, soft, hard cover. Right. I, again, with consumers' own images in, and once again, it's a little bit of a grey area because sometimes people may be doing a run of a few for commercial purposes, but bulk of them, again, will be you know wedding, christening, Family holiday, those kind of things. Gift, mm-hmm. gift for you know, Christmas. I mean, Q4 on both mm-hmm. sides of the Atlantic is the big boom season for the photo mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. And then the merchandise is. Um, I don't know some people include books in merchandise, but we've always broken out. So within merchandise, we've got got some broad categories, which is photo calendars, photo cards. Then we have um, wall decor. Right, which includes multiple substrates. Obviously, canvas has been the big one for a while, but we've got acrylic, wood, alu, dye bond, um, various other substrates there, all mm-hmm. within that wall decor category. And then we split posters out from wall deck. And the reason we do that is posters generally are, you know, there's a, there's a higher volume, but there's a much lower ASP. And then, then the opposite with the wall decor, where you, you know, you've got a high end acrylic, okay. alu, dye bond going for, you know, way above. Hundred euros, hundred dollars, hundred pounds. So if you blend the two together, you get this unholy mix of low price, high volume, and higher price, low volume, and right. the, the numbers look ridiculous. So we keep the two, two separate. 
and then then the other category is the, the myriad of photo gifs which is constantly reinventing itself you know right. I, I see i think it's come to this side of the atlantic now from the us but we've got blankets mm-hmm. um flip-flops tins you name it i mean there's there's the evergreens like like mugs and mouse mats and key rings and things like that but there's hundreds and hundreds of skews of these these photo gifs mm-hmm. clocks it just goes on and, and it reinvents itself. I mean, a few years ago, phone covers were big, and I think possibly they still are. But, but not nearly what they used to be, right? I mean, that used yeah. to be like a major emphasis for people, and now I hardly yeah. ever hear much about it. I think probably because yeah. there's so many varieties possible now, it's difficult to keep mm-hmm. the popular ones in stock. Exactly, exactly. There are so many different different models of phone. I mean, phones themselves are interesting as a bit of an aside because, you know, they're the de facto image capture device. Now we've seen cameras. You know, I just saw an advert. I could be maybe I was hallucinating because it was late night. I was tired, but I saw an advert for a Samsung phone the other day without wanting to endorse any particular brands that they were saying had something crazy, like a 200 megapixel cap set of cameras. And you just think yeah. the way. I mean, again, that might not be correct, so don't quote me on that. But but as a, so, I could have missed. No, that, I think but, you're right. Yeah. I think I think there are some Chinese brand smartphones coming out with 200 megapixel cameras, yeah. and I think uh, I think Samsung's announced one in the pipeline. And Samsung or Sony mm. has announced a 200 megapixel chip, mm. so I think it's definitely coming. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really curious as to the instant piece mm-hmm. of what you're not covering because over here that is a pretty significant market. I can't tell you how large it is, but it is if you go to a Best Buy or a Target. There's significant end cap space being dedicated to the Fujifilm Instax, mm. the Polaroid version, and things like that. So clearly, it's a very popular category. But in your print numbers, you're not including no, that, just to be No, clear. we don't. It's not okay. something we don't pick. And the <laughs> same, albeit we might pick up some of it in our home data because people are using these little, yeah, little yeah, mobile yeah. printers. The thing okay. I will say for things like yeah, you know the Polaroid and Fujifilm Instax is that they, I think they've actually sort of driven some a breath of life into the wider photo print sector because sure. you know in in the western european market the online business is strong and it's getting stronger but but instant print kiosks which do exist in the us but never been as strong in the us are really really big in a retail in, in western europe self-service yeah. screen instant kiosks often where you you pay at a terminal with a card nowadays rather than having to pay mm-hmm. for the prints before the machine delivers them and a lot of the retailers have seen that the volumes, the basket size maybe has fallen, but they've been able to push the pricing up and up and up on those. And Gen right. Z and some millennials with that kind of mindset of coming from Instax and, and other types of camera have then started printing okay. photos on a kiosk. They're very agnostic to the price. They, they'll happily pay what's the equivalent in euros or, or, or British pounds, nearly a dollar a print. They're not printing wow. many of them, and they stick them up on the wall on clothes pegs, and right, and then yeah. they change them regularly. And that that is actually, you know, we've had quite a few inquiries in recent years about the photo prints market again, commercially as analyst firm. And we kind of thought that was dead and dying, but it's not. It's it's very much alive. You, you know, it's funny to say because I recently I've recently had on uh, a, uh, one of the mobile app vendors, and, he, and, he, and they do a lot with photo prints mm-hmm. on the podcast, and he was talking about the need for the industry to to raise prices mm. because he said, you know, 19, 29 cents a print doesn't reflect the value of what younger consumers are willing to pay. Mm. And you supported that. I mean, I, I had not thought about that coming from the Instax mm. world where it's a more than a buck a print, right? So they're probably looking at 
29 cents going, that's a great value when they, like you said, they would pay more because they're not going to print as many, obviously, as their mom or dad or grandparents. Exactly. And it's that immediacy as well. I mean, I think when people are still going for a bit more volume, then then sure, they'll they'll order them from, from you know, shut the fly in the US. And again, I'm just taking an example. I'm not promoting anybody from maybe throw their box out barely or shut or snapfish or something in Europe. And that is still a little bit more competitive. But uh, again, people are not, you know, going to the store and, and having two, three hundred prints off a mini lab. That was the case for a long time. We, I think, we we're in that mindset yeah. when we moved from film to digital. That even though we had all the images on an SD card from a camera, we still printed the whole lot out because that's what we did. Right, exactly. <laughs> so before we dive into your data, I got one more question about uh, film. Are you seeing the resurgence in film? Uh, processing and printing over there. I mean, I, I didn't hear you mention film, so I just want to touch on that a little bit because I know it's a weird category. You know, over here, people are saying they're processing more film than they ever did 10 year, 20 or 10 or 15 years ago. And we, we are, we are. Growing, yeah. But do you account for that in the, in like the print side or since a lot of these are just process and scan, mm, um, exactly. Direct output usually, uh, right away at least. What are your thoughts on the film market in Europe? Yeah, the film is definitely on the up. Um, there's no doubt about it. I went to a, a photo show called Photopia in Hamburg mm-hmm. late last year, and I saw yeah. some a fantastic Agfa stand that almost got the recreation of a sort of like 30, 40 year old photo store inside <laughs> of all these great films and re- and also selling reconditioned cameras um yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's hot there's no doubt about it um i mean we've seen kodak bring, i believe bring in some back some films maybe some of the other brands as well but as you say that the thing is um there's a company open up in london just processing film um with with new equipment in the last year or so but a lot of it is is processed and scanned as you say it's not necessarily getting to that printed stage so so we do see, I think maybe the overall interest in film cameras again from younger generations is probably helping to slow the decline in the, the output of film prints, um, mm-hmm. which off the top of my head, I haven't got the data in front of me, but it's probably less than 10% of the overall digital print sector mm-hmm. here in Western Europe now. But it's slowing that decline for sure. But a lot of what is caught on film is not ending up as photographic prints. Where it does, it's possibly something an enlargement or something specific rather than just it's just more like an end of, yeah. is a, more like yeah. an end of probably as a canvas probably yeah. or that that kind or of something thing, like yeah. that than a traditional four by six print yeah so 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 yes it, it's it's definitely definitely hot i mean some some of my colleagues in future source who are in their 20s are really really into film photography mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's it's a definite trend there's no doubt about it mm-hmm I just hope that what I'm concerned about as an industry person is, you know, kind of the the infrastructure for f- the film process, if you will, is kind of being stuck together with bailing wires and glue, right? Because, mm. you know, there's, there, there's, their film processors are having trouble getting parts for their machines. There's some question mm. whether you can get chemistry. And there's some question how long certain manufacturers are going to be staying with silver halide uh, printing. So, I mean, so it, it's, it's interesting that it's, it is popular. There's a lot of things in the value, in the uh, value change that could, that could get broken. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. They, as you say, the, a lot of the, 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 the actual processing equipment for this film stuff is from year verily. 
<laughs> and the brand along sinks gone. So there, there's there's always a danger there. But I guess I mean we we've seen this with you know as an aside with the the, the vinyl industry, the way that's boomed in the last sort of five, six, seven years that. Come, mm. There were one or two companies left in the world that made vinyl presses, and all of a sudden their demand is fantastic because the disc pressers want want to buy vinyl presses again, and I never mm. would have seen that coming 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think this was the first year, actually, or last year was the first year that vinyl actually exceeded uh, CDs again in terms of yeah. sales. And, and there are people who are coming back with photo printers. I think uh, I did a podcast mm. with a gentleman from Australia, uh, uh, a company called Film Never Die that has come out with a kind mm. of an open source film processor platform, and I think uh, uh, Kalenta is is coming back with some products. So I think, it, but again, if if you're a photo lab and you've been you've got your Fuji film processor from the mini lab days, keeping that thing going has been a challenge. Yeah, indeed, indeed. The other interesting thing is in recent years as well, and I think maybe, and again, I'm not not promoting any brands but it has been a bit of a phenomenon as we've had the the free prints app in europe that started out with photo prints and that has other incarnations like books and uh, cards uh, i don't know what you call them um wall tiles i'm just looking at one on picture yeah. of me and my my niece on the wall in my office here wall tiles yeah that's it but they have they've helped to drive some some interesting volume from from apps and from people that maybe never were no longer or hadn't ever come to photo printing and right. the result of that for some of the PSPs is that they've actually had to invest in in equipment for, for digital film prints as well in recent years, which, again, a lot of them, I guess, thought they wouldn't have to ever do again. And they never thought it would come. So, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the information, the data that you've, uh, you've been sharing publicly about kind of the post-COVID world. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 2001, I'm looking at one of the reports here. It says 2001 was a challenging year to the lack of printworthy images from 2000, right? I mean, people, mm-hmm. 2000, or 2020 and 2021, people weren't mm-hmm. generating printworthy images, right? But now coming out of the pandemic in a lot of ways, right? I, I mean, I know there's so some 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 regions that are still dealing with pandemic um, uh, measures and things like that, but you're still seeing substantial growth coming out of that. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about some of the growth patterns that you're seeing? Is it in all categories or is it in other categories? Um, where is that growth happening? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it's fair to say that you know a lot of the a lot of the growth in the photo sector now, consumer photo sector, has been driven by the books and the merchandise. And and if I step back, so it's something as an interesting kind of trend there because if we go. 2019 and a few years before then the west european photo book sector was continuing to exhibit value growth with higher end products silver halide lay flat more pages mm-hmm. bigger books those kind of things but the volume was kind of plateauing but we've gone through the the, the 2020 boom when everybody had time on their hands at home and made books and did wall deck on the yeah and what's come out of that is we're actually seeing after a bit of a, a sort of I guess a bit of a sort of knee jerk dip last year that the volumes as well as the values are now, you know, we see growing again in that book sector. Maybe people mm-hmm. because they are like me, remote working several days a week mm-hmm. and have a bit more of a work life balance in some ways, a bit more time to, you know, to put into making photo products or to think sure. about making photo products. So that is that is driving um, the growth in our KGAR there for 22 to 26 on books. 
for these Western European sectors is, is about 4%. We're looking on the merchandise at about 5%. The prints are flat volume-wise. The, the value is still growing. You know, people are paying more. The, the race to the bottom for prints where, you know, sort of, I don't know, sub, sub $10, uh, sub 10 cents in the US, sub 10 euro cents in in Europe is probably over. People do like to monetize them now. Um, so, mm. so what that's doing to to photo prints is that we're looking the value there. I think increasing yeah. by about seven percent okay. between last year and twenty seven, uh, and and the volume's kind of flat. Which, if you think not that many years ago, it was dropping in about ten percent a year, is a in itself a bit of a, a departure. And also, it's still again off the top of my head, looking at these figures for for last year, and we've got a three just over 3 billion euro market for photo consumer photo products in Europe and mm-hmm. and prints was 1.3 billion of that so it's still holding its share of the market not insignificantly yeah and it's still a high i mean from a production standpoint it's mm. a relatively high margin product right yeah. i mean i mean that's one of the things it's 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 basically a piece of paper with some with a, with mm. a coating on it and you know if you're if you're depending on your own economics and production, you know, you can make money at 10, 15 cents per, uh, and just yeah. not a crazy amount like you used to. And as we've suggested, perhaps it's time to raise prices. So, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about photo books. Cause you know, I keep hearing from people um, who have been in the industry a long time who, you know, maybe go back 10 or 15 years and, you know, they remember the days when photo books were, you know, these, this is the next future, growth category for the industry it's what the consumer mm. wants it is uh, the photo album of the future it is gonna mm. be the savior and clearly that really hasn't happened mm. um, and so they tend to have a cloudy view of photo books but as you're saying that's a, it's still a healthy growth rate what mm. is driving that growth because i always hear from people talking about you know well, they're still too complex to make um they're 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 not for everybody et cetera et cetera et cetera so what is continuing to drive the growth i think there's there's well there's three things i guess i could break out there one is that we could almost split the photo book market into into two sectors now one is the sort of the core a4 which um i'm just looking at my data here we're looking at what the a4s were about half the market Mm-hmm. volume wise in 21 22 i would say and then you've obviously got some of the larger sizes that come out of that and then you've got i guess a bit of a newer paradigm which has been driven by some of the apps on both sides of the atlantic which is you know smaller square and soft cover and hard cover right um 20 odd 20 odd side photo books from from the likes of chat books free prints uh pops are just again naming a few brands without mm-hmm. promoting anybody specifically yeah, um, just and they they've created a new almost a new strata in that sector. Just lower costs, um, easy to produce. Quite often with a bit of AI, bang bang bang, and you're done. Almost the Amazon model, a click click click, and you're done kind of thing. I think they've actually generated a bit of incremental volume in the market, uh, whilst at the same time, the, you know, both the brands and the PSPs have continued to, you know, understandably push and promote higher higher end products and mm-hmm. and to try and take customers that have been buying a4 on a journey for for photo paper lay flat nicer you know covers and all sorts mm-hmm. of other SKUs which are available now so so mm-hmm. i think amongst all of that and and the fact that we were saying that maybe cons- you know consumers who are lucky enough to be remote working if lucky is a word to use 
that just have a bit more time on their hands because they're not spending an hour and a half in the, in the car per day. Or on the tube, if I may use the... Uh, yeah, yeah, on, on the train. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so what you're saying is that even within the photo book market, it's mm. kind of bifurcated there where you have mm. the small, simple, app-driven book and mm. then the other half is the what I would call the creative publishing mindset, where it's a you know, mm. bigger book, lay flat, hardcover. Maybe that's your trip to uh, your big vacation trip or something like that. And you think the growth is coming from the smaller format. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Photo retailers, energize your sales with Share Me Chat, the proven texting platform. Using chat-to-text on your website keeps your customers connected and buying. See us at Pro and IPI to find out why dealers using ShareMeChat close more sales without adding staff. Find out more at ShareMe.chat. I think the, I think the, the volume growth is, is coming more from the smaller format. The, a lot of the value growth is coming from the larger format, the, the smaller format. I mean, there's brands that are obviously monetizing that. There's the, I need to be careful. I was going to say the elephant in the room, but I don't want to be <laughs> be too prescriptive. But you've got the, the free prints model where it's kind of free, although the delivery charge effectively pays for the product. And sure. then there's an upsell. I mean, it's been going for years, so it must work. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the software company behind it would, wouldn't continue to operate it. But but you've got that going on as well. So so as an entry level to consumers who like, I remember somebody saying to me, oh, this is app or free prints. I can get photo prints. I haven't done that for years. And they've come into books and, and that's, that can take some of them onto the journey to, I guess, right. to, to other brands, other sizes, those kind of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Touching a little bit by country, uh, clearly mm. Germany is, is the dominant player in that market. Mm. Um, but all the countries that looks like uh, from what I'm looking at are, are seeing growth. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it, it across all of the markets. I mean, there there, there definitely is growth. I mean, I, if I look at the splits here, if I can find the, the right. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at photo book splits here because well, I don't actually have any data right in front of me showing the combined splits across the photo market. But yeah, Germany is it, it's forty odd percent of the market. It, it's very mature. Photo book's been around for a long time. It's got the whole save. B2B to C phenomenon. You get off a plane in Germany and you see a, a save a photo <laughs> advert in you know in the baggage hall. Um it, exactly. it, it's that mindset that, that they and as a, as consumers, they just love photo products. They're really, really into photo products. But France, Benelux, both been in photo books for quite a while. France's got a very, very saturated market of players. Benelux has got some, you know, some very well established players. I think again, the Netherlands tend to I, from what I understand, buy more books than, than Belgian consumers. So there's some different dynamics going on there. And I guess that's another thing to, I guess, to touch on um, when we compare European market of whatever X hundred million people are in these countries with the US, that, that they've in different languages, different cultures, different dynamics that, mm-hmm. that drive all these markets in slightly different ways. The UK has come probably more, much later to photo books, but some of these these brands and apps I've talked about, particularly within e-commerce, because the UK is a huge e-commerce market. 
We're a small mm-hmm. island. It's easy to deliver things to people because nothing's that far away, really. <laughs> so we lend right. ourselves superbly to e-commerce, and and that's helped to drive some of mm-hmm. some of the sort of web-to-home photo book mm-hmm. activity in the UK as well. But and then you've got the, the sensitivities to the markets as well. The it's Italy, Spain, Southern Europe, very price sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the Germans like to see a product before they buy it. So web-to-retail works well in Germany because they yeah. want to actually see the book before they part with their money, whereas here in the UK, we'll pay up front and wait for it to come through the post. So it's all these different kind of dynamics going on as well. well. You know, yeah. it's interesting you describe, you know, CUA as a, as a phenomenon, because I've always been impressed the fact that they do, mm. you know, they were, they obviously their their heritage was the traditional wholesale lab. People didn't really mm. know who they were. And then when photo books came in, they really pushed mm. the, the brand very strongly. Mm. I always wondered, yeah. And obviously, they're reaping the rewards of that. I mean, you know, look mm. at what's the photo book market there. And I've always wondered, wow, what if what if there were Shutterfly planes mm. in North America, right? Or Snapfish or one mm. of the big brands doing that sort of level of awareness that Seve uh, does. So I think, and have been doing it for years, because like it's a cumulative effect. Mm. I mean, they've been doing it now for 10, 15 years. So it's just to to me as a person who is interested in marketing, I think that's sort of a missed opportunity that most other countries have have missed out on is keeping it in front of mm. consumers, right? Yeah, it, it it you know the as a consumer in Germany, you can go to multiple retailers, retailers, but but the prominence is that it's a save a produced photo right. book. It, it, I think that also. Carries mm-hmm. quite a lot of weight in France, Benelux. Maybe we're not sure. we don't cover them anymore, but some of the Nordic markets as well. They've their influence and into Central Europe sure. is quite a broad broad influence. Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt about that. So, can you talk a little bit about some of the different channels that photo books are offered? Because there is sort of the web to retail and then web to home. Does that mm-hmm. change based on the country? Is that is that something that is country specific? Yeah, the, the, there's a bit of a distinction. I mean. I'll start with Spain because generally Southern Europe or Spain and Italy, they still quite like their, as you guys call mum and pop kind of photo stores mm-hmm. as opposed to big, big, because there's not so many big chains there. But at the same time, if I look at Spain, they've had the, the, the Hoffman brand, which came from the photo album days and has been a massively dominant part of the market, which has driven, you know, quite a lot of online photo mm-hmm. behavior in Spain. But yeah, they still, they people will still order in stores much more in Spain and Italy than they will in North Europe. You've got, I think, Benelux, France and UK, where we're very e-commerce driven. So a lot of the orders will be be web to home, particularly in the UK, a um, little bit more web to retail in France and, and Benelux. But again, maybe because of, um, particularly with France, the size of the country, then then sometimes it's just easier for the consumer to pick something up from a, a, a store or a collection point than necessarily having it delivered to the house. And then Germany, very much driven by by the big retail chains, e commerce takes its place, and and Save themselves, you know, got their own front end brands. Pixum is part of Save that's a big big e commerce brand. But you've got all the uh, pharmacies and the and the supermarkets and the electronics chains that have you know been big in photo in Germany and still are. So again, that that web to home it, it dominates everywhere now, but but. Again, the the in store ordering is probably larger in Germany than anywhere else, and the, mm-hmm. the web to retail element is probably larger in Germany than anywhere else still. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, the web to retail thing is interesting because, you know, in the U.S. here, we've had sort of a, a weird relationship with the uh, mm. web to retail. Um, we've had mm. you know, several people, uh, big brands, you know, Costco, Target, you know, mm. uh, change their offering. Let's put it that way, whether it's partnering with Shutterfly like Costco did mm. or just transferring it to their vendor like uh, like Target did. Um, mm. And I always seem that be that that's always a missed opportunity, I think, for those retailers to mm. not even just have any kind of presence. I mean, and it, it's just it's I, I don't know that it's because our country is so large that it's just too difficult to manage or the retailers aren't receptive or something. But I've always thought specifically like for Target in-store photo of just a display or something year round mm. to remind people to, to keep it going would be a natural fit for them. Right. I always thought Target and Shutterfly should be, you know, should have some sort of relationship. And, you know, the only uh, retailer partnership that I know Shutterfly has, for example, is with Best Buy, where if you buy enough stuff, they give you a free photo book, you know, whoopee. So I, I, I just think, you know, in terms of, you know, what you see what happening in Germany and clearly, you know, CV is a public company. You can see their data. They clearly know what they're doing and they're very successful. Mm -hmm. I think they just announced they're, you know, raising their dividend again for like the like 10th mm -hmm. straight year. So, and it's because they're able to touch successfully all the pieces of the market. I think, I think so. Yeah. And, and I think for, not just for them, but for, for some of the other print service providers, stroke wholesale labs, yeah. that that's becoming a stronger part of the market because mm -hmm. the, the, the European retail on-site photo printing model is quite rapidly dropping away from, from retail mini labs now and becoming don't get me wrong, many labs are still there, particularly I think in maybe some of the independent photo stores, but for some yeah. of the, the bigger chains, it's it, the tier now is instant print kiosks, which as I mm -hmm. said are quite big in Europe, and yeah. then back the back-end ordering. Um, and we've seen the Boots Pharmacy chain in the UK go down that route. Um, Save mm -hmm. is now the, um, the kiosk provider, but you've got the whole power of the back-end production that comes with that as well and can drive a lot of orders you know, straight to a wholesale lab and obviously the innovation and, and, and product technology which comes with that. Likewise, with some of the other labs that are partnering with various retailers as well. Whereas it's been a while since I looked at the US, but I always remember that photo prints were being driven quite a lot a few years ago in the US to store, and they could actually then be printed on a mini lab or even a kiosk in store and consumer would pick them up rather than right. being all pushed back to, to District Photo or Fuji Labs or you know, various other wholesale labs there. So it's a slightly different model. Maybe the retailers being a bit more, if I dare say, it's savvy in the US and driving that footfall in store. Because mm -hmm. once you've got them in store, hopefully they're going to buy something else, whatever it may be. Right. Well, in the film yeah. days, that was definitely the uh, yeah. The, yeah. the model was, boy, if we can get mm -hmm. people to hang around a store for an hour while they wait for their film mm -hmm. to be processed, we've got a winner. And they would yeah. even, you know, provide the film and uh, processing at cost possibly to just keep them there that long. So let's, let's shift a little bit for a short time uh, for the digital photo prints. Even within the countries you track, it's very different. Um, you know, some are growing and some are not. Is there anything happening there? Is it more app driven or retailer driven? Because according to the data I'm looking here, you know, Germany's up, Italy's up, Spain is up slightly. Um, but the other ones are showing declines. Benelux, France, and UK are showing slight declines in the digital photo print category. Is anything happening there, or is that just the trend in those markets? The differences are, I think, mainly predicated around the fact that 
everywhere, obviously, in, in 2020 in Europe, we saw saw retail close and the, the whole on-site printing business kind of really hit the hit the buffers. And even when they started reopening, the kiosk had you could only have every other kiosk in use and things like that because of distancing. We saw maybe Germany, um, Spain, Italy, where on-site is still a, a slightly stronger proposition. And in Germany, it's crazy, crazy because the sheer volume of print kiosks there across you know, some of these big, big retailers, the, yeah. the consumers that, that had to go online in 2020 started not entirely because some of them unfortunately lost forever, come back to retail and drive some of those volumes in those three countries. In France, Benelux, UK, which were already quite powerful e-commerce markets for, for photo, then, then I think even fewer consumers went, came back to retail arguably some of those may be i don't know if you could say they're a loss forever or not but but that that could be some of the, the justification there but again in the in the uk and france you've got some very powerful photo brands you've got some newer photo apps that are really driving that web to web or app to home behavior mm-hmm. so so yeah i guess again when you start looking at some of the, the vagaries of the actual channels in, in photo prints and they vary again a little bit market by market so mm-hmm. when you put it all together you can get this kind of these three up those three down the, the overall trend is kind right. of sort of leveling off now i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i the reason i mentioned that is because i think it's one of those things where i think there's still some opportunity for photo prints like we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier oh yeah and there are people who you know uh tend to overlook prints when they're creating mm-hmm. the their apps, right? You know, they're looking at, you know, they want to have a gift app or a book app. And mm-hmm. the photo print specific apps tend to just go to the value consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, hey, yeah. cheap or free or what have you. And I, I just, you know, I just wonder if there's a place for a a more premium print experience, you know, I, and I'm not sure what that is and what that would look like. But I, 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 I always felt that the devaluing of the photo print hasn't been a benefit to the industry. I, I mean, I do wonder, this is just me thinking out loud here, that as we see this at the, at the back end of the market, and it's the early days, but we've got you know, one print service provider, both in the US and here in Europe, which is now producing at least some of its prints on, on digital press rather than mm-hmm. just using the silver halide main lab process. Yeah. If you know some of these guys can't be savvy like they've done with photo books and say, this is a photo paper because often silver halide often doesn't mean anything to consumers. But if you say to them, this is a photo paper photo book, bang, they'll, they'll pay a premium for it. So right. photo paper photo prints right. versus versus non-photo paper photo prints. Um, and again, I don't want to get into the, the arguments of quality and perceived quality and right. between these prints, but maybe that's a way to go forwards with, yeah. with adding some value. Yeah. Yeah, because because that is one of the things you can do if you are producing prints on the digital press, you've got the opportunity to try different substrates, right? And mm-hmm. that is that is an opportunity there. Uh, but again, without people interacting with the prints physically in a retail store, or they're not going to order that online. So moving on to the wild and woolly world of photo merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've got a chart here breaking down the categories of, you know, categories. And again, as you mentioned earlier, you've got posters, you've got photo gifts, you've got calendars, cards, and canvas. 
seems like cards have been kind of a sleeper category uh, for a few years, and they're really coming on strong. Uh, why is that? Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I think that there's there's two reasons you've got you I guess in in the the six markets we're looking at in Western Europe you've got two markets where greetings cards as a as a phenomenon are really big the UK we give cards for everything you know, uh, birthdays weddings christenings um, Christmas just generally I sent my card I I use a web to print card company that for not for photo but just for stock images and I sent my sister a silly card the other day just to say hello you know we, we that's kind of what we do in the Dutch do a bit of that as well and these are single folded cards that typically cost around about the equivalent of about sort of four GBP for maybe four euros 50 so they're they're quite a premium product and and a certain percentage are our photo cards within that mm-hmm. driven by you know the likes of Moonpig and and, uh, and other brands in the market then mm-hmm. you've got some other European countries where like multi-packs of either flat cards, almost postcard type cards or, or folded cards are more popular. And they can often be more event-driven, wedding, christening, Christmas, those kind of things, um, particularly in, in Spain and, and Italy. Um, a bit of both going on in France. Mm. Not really that sort of cr- sort of greetings card mentality that, that the, uh, the Dutch and the British have. And mm-hmm. the Australians, for that matter, it's another way beyond Europe. It's another market that's, pretty mad on greetings cards um mm-hmm. we're seeing we're seeing some of these web to print which includes photo card brands gain more momentum in in germany i think planet photo the french company bought um german company a few years ago called bonnie prince von der Karten, and that's continued to accelerate not to the levels that we're seeing in mm-hmm. you know in the in the uk and, and the netherlands but mm-hmm. but but there, there's some popularity there and i think a lot of people pivoted to that in 2020 because they couldn't buy cards a retail, it may be a little bit more expensive, but when people are, are, are time poor and have the money, if they can just a few clicks on an app or, or a website and you're done, and then somebody right. else prints it and posts it, then and again, photo or non-photo web to print cards, and that that I guess for some of them is a benefit as well. So so mm-hmm. we saw I think a bit of a spike happen back in 2020 that's really. Um, accelerated that that sort of whole web to print photo mm-hmm. non-photo card sector we're only looking at the photo element of it but which is a subset of the overall sort of web to print web to print even cards world another category um that is still fairly large from a from a value standpoint are calendars and that mm. just perplexes the heck out of me <laughs> Because you're talking, about, you know, I mean, in, in, in the data you shared, you know, it's almost a 200 million euro category within, you know, the Western Europe that you cover. And I'm thinking everyone has a calendar on their phone. Mm. And and it's still people are printing calendars and putting on their walls. Why? 
I think I think there's two things. I think that there's two big things. There's the young families and, and the, the female demographic that purchase a lot of photo products and there's the gifting mm -hmm. element. Q4 is generally the big gifting season for photo products, yeah. but but calendars, you know, November, December is the real real peak season for them and they're a massive Christmas gift. I, I make a photo calendar for my parents every year with the pictures, you know, from that year. And and I think that's what continues to drive it and the PSPs continue to innovate. There's only so much you can do with a calendar, right. bitterly, but but papers, substrates, designs, a lot of a lot of it is software and the you know, the way you can formulate the calendar as opposed to the actual physical printing of the calendar. But A3, A4, desktop, little Apex, whatever it may be. Um mm -hmm. And we see we see brands like Vistaprint, for instance, always come in really strong. And again, I'm not not promoting any specific brand, but you know, at that I mean, time, clearly yeah, one of the big you know, players. Yeah, in that. yeah, yeah. So and and it, it and it just every time I think maybe it's going to peak, it doesn't. It just keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling. And I guess more people just keep coming to calendars. I've never really looked at what the penetration rate is on that. It's the penetration rate on most photo products is relatively low but it, there's always right. potential for more customers to come to that overall i mean again yeah. I've, I've saw some figures a few years ago on personalization as a as a market and i can't remember but i know it was just a ridiculously high number that somebody like pwc had calculated for i think for either for europe or the us and you know photo is just part of that that juggernaut i guess and finally, let's talk a little bit about Canvas, because that, I think, was a category that, again, has been around a long time, but just in the last mm. few years has just uh, shown continuous growth and makes you wonder about, like, when are people going to run out of wall space? <laughs> because, <laughs> because, and, and, and I know in the U.S., I've talked to some of the vendors and, you know, they think, well, listen, if we get this price down low enough, people will be just swapping out their canvas every mm -hmm. year. They'll just replace that thing. It won't be, you know, and I, I just don't think people do that. Um, and it does concern me when people, hey, we just drive it, the price down low enough. We can just, you know, um, I because I do think the perceived value of a canvas can be very high. Are, what do you think is driving the growth on that? Because it is not that new of a product. My canvas is made, you know, 15, 16 years ago. What happened? I think some of it's a bit of a push from the the production side of the industry because you've got you've got canvas, you've got acrylic, you've got alloy dye bond, glass, wood. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's so many different substrates, one of a better word now for, for wall decor. And then and then you've got got the consumer demand now in in Western Europe, the Netherlands and UK are quite densely populated. Um, our houses are expensive spaces at a bit of a premium. Uh, France and Germany and Spain, Italy are much larger countries. People tend to have more more room in their homes. I think you're right. You know, you, people don't go on changing and changing and changing these products. But but again, there's something that if you have a holiday, if you have a good experience on a you know with the family events like that people may sometimes make a product like that and at the lower end we've seen things like wall tiles which arguably sort of sit into that decor space although people might argue they're a gifting product rather than a wall decor product come into that as well magnetic and stick on ones that you can stick on paintwork and remove without them ripping the paintwork off and all those kind of things right. so yeah the, the, the caveat i put around that is that that the the COVID effect on wall decor has been a massive boom in 2020 in the Western European markets where a lot of people had time and like buying photo books they they decided to order wall decor 
um, and maybe even in 2021 as well. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of a vacuum after that, where so much of that has been done in the last two years that 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 we've definitely, from what I'm hearing, sort of later on last year into this year, seen that that tail off a little bit. So we still think it's got legs, but um, with the kind of growth we're showing of yeah, mm-hmm. single single digit probably now growth over the next few years, but but it's it's struggling a bit just because of the sheer amount that was produced and ordered in the last couple of years, or certainly in 2020 and 2021. The margins, as you say, are on wall decor. And from from both a producer and reseller point, particularly a reseller point of view, are, are phenomenal, absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, as with many personalised products, um, mm-hmm. I think you know I've I've seen prices of things on on non-photo personalised websites that have <laughs> made yeah. my eyes water, but people pay for it, so good luck mm-hmm. to them. <laughs> yeah, best wishes yeah. for those yeah. people, and yeah. also. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, if people wanted to learn more about you and Future Source, mm-hmm. where would they go, and how would they go about contacting you? The, the Future Source website is futuresource-consulting.com. I mean, I don't know if I can give you my email address or not over this. Um, I don't know if that's too much detail, but um, <laughs> I'm, it's, mine is Jeremy Wills W I L S at futuresource-hq.com. So I'm. I'm the lead analyst for for our uh, photo service, which covers these these markets in Western Europe, um, as as part of the sort of wider sort of focus on 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 technology, software solutions, hardware, everything else that Future Source has as a firm. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for your time and best wishes for continued success. And we'll be touching base with you, I'm sure, when you release the, your annual data, probably next fall. Thanks, Gary. Lovely to speak with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.